Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. We're joined on the star line by journalist, New York Times contributor, author of America Chinatown, her latest book, Why We Swim. We welcome Bonnie Soy. Thanks so much, Sean. Let's go beyond the mic. Bonnie, in this book, you talk about the passion you have for swimming and share stories of remarkable people who enjoy swimming. Yes, I spent the last several years reporting this book about uh, our love of swimming, our sort of human, curious human relationship with the water and with swimming. I kind of went around the world for this one. You took years researching this book. Which person touched your heart the most? That's a pretty hard one to answer, but I will say that um, the opening story in the book is about the Atlantic fisherman Goodlegger Fiddlerson, who is pretty famous for, in 1984, he survived a six-hour swim in 41-degree water back to shore when he when his fishing vessel capsized and everyone else perished, um, but he survived. And I tracked him down and I went to visit him. And, you know, every year in Iceland, there is a swim in his honor. And I went to swim the swim in his honor of, of what he was able to do and accomplish. You know, we, we have a real affinity for survival stories because I think we all want to know what happens for those people who you know, go close to um, the edge and then are able to come back from that and, and what they report back. We all want to hear that. And so I feel that, you know, Loya and I are friends now and our families are friends. That means a lot to us. You bring up some interesting facts in your book about brown fat, white fat, and your wedding day when you were covered from head to toe with swimmer's itch. <laughs> I learned a lot of things about our bodies in water and what happens to them. I mean, there are great things that happen, obviously, with immersion, but there are also hazards and dangers and annoyances, like you said, swimmers itch and just all kinds of strange animals living in the water with us when we get in, especially wild waters. And so it was, you know, uh, I think my life in water when it comes to open water swimming or surfing or getting in bodies of water, uh, you know, that are not chlorinated and, and um, free of bacteria and viruses is that you know we have to we have to coexist with these things and it is an interesting science experiment to see what happens now you've swam in various places around the world where did you feel the safest and where did you feel in trouble um i think that there's really the safest way to swim is of course in a pool right so it is this you know, very controlled environment, and it is a, a rectangle that is the boundaries don't shift, the waters are the same. You know, it is treated so that it's safe for us to enter. And unfortunately, right now, a lot of pools, pretty much most public pools, are closed, and it's coming on summertime, and people are wanting to be in the water, really yearning for that. And so they're kind of venturing out more into um, open water. And, and so, you know, I have been in a lot of bodies of water around the world. And I think that, um, you know, I swim here in the Bay Area and I swim in the San Francisco Bay and I surf out at Ocean Beach here in San Francisco. And I think that Ocean Beach is, is just one of the wildest places, so open and exposed to the Pacific and it is one of those places that is notorious for strong currents and just a heavy shore break. I would say that that's one of the places that I have felt most in awe and respectful of what uh, Mother Nature is. And I think when you swim in open water, you really have to be conscious of that. She's author of Why We Swim. Bonnie Soy joins us beyond the mic. Bonnie, do you remember your first competition and remember what the race was and where you finished? 
Um, you know, I don't remember that. I started swimming on a swim team when I was eight years old, and I don't remember the first race I had, but I remember so many after that, you know, just the, the feeling of the anticipation, the nervousness, and how I would, you know, run to the bathroom and run back and run to the bathroom and run back because I was just so nervous. And um, I can tell you the most recent one as an adult where the book, I, I I joined a swim team again. I joined a master's team, my local master's team, the Albany Armada, and they're wonderful. And I just wanted to um, know what it was to be a competitor you know, as a grown-up. And, and it, was a, it was coincidentally the same time that my kid joined a swim team he, at the time he was six for the first time too. And it was this really funny, you know, layering of like his experience joining a swim team and being nervous and what to, knowing what to, wondering what to expect. And then my experience joining a swim team as a grown up, but also seeing him when he, you know, would go to practice that I remembered all these memories of, of what, my childhood was on a swim team and what that meant to me and the community and just the fun and just the, the feeling of becoming confident in your body and in your skin was just something that was really special to me and that's something that I want for my kids. Over those years swimming in competitions, talk about the lasting friendships you made from those early days in chlorine. I think that when I think about my swim team, I think about um, you know being on the team with my family. My brother is a year older than I am and we were on the team together. We joined the team together and then our cousins and it was just this wonderful swim team uh, that was pretty diverse and had different, you know, it was a club team. So people came from all over Long Island to swim on the team. And I just remember thinking that it was a wonderful way to have a different life, a different community outside of school. I just think that sports, are so important for giving you a window into who you can be and what you can accomplish and what you are capable of beyond what you, you know, maybe thought you could do. And especially for kids and especially, um, I think, you know, as a a Chinese American, um, growing up on mostly white Long Island, I think that was a really, uh, it was really important to me to see, to be in a, in a different town in a, in a really racially diverse team that uh, gave me a sense of, of community that was more you know, reflective maybe of, of who I was. In my mind, swimming is controlled drowning. Yeah. As an accomplished <laughs> swimmer, what do you say to someone who has that fear of drowning? I say that is a really healthy fear to have. And we all know that, you know, on every level when we swim, even no matter how good a swimmer you are, you are never fully, fully, fully comfortable in water because you understand that that's always there. You know, that, that we are, we are not born knowing how to swim instinctively. We're not, we're, we're strange among terrestrial mammals like that. And so we have to be taught, we have to learn how to do it. And I think that's a super healthy, you know, fear to have. Now, in terms of overcoming that fear enough to learn to be comfortable in the water and learn to conduct yourself in it um, well enough so that you can enjoy it. I think that is a worthy, worthy goal for people who are afraid of it. And there are, you know, endless numbers of great swim teachers out there to help you through it. And I think it's about understanding that that is normal and to how you overcome that fear is to find someone who's going to help you learn how to conduct yourself safely in it. Is there anywhere left on your bucket list that you have to swim? 
especially now in this um, lockdown time, you know, there are so many beautiful pools I think about. And, I, and I'm lucky enough in that I can still go swimming in San Francisco Bay. And I really appreciate that and love it so much. But I am, have been thinking a lot about pools lately. And, and you know, of course, one of the extra, most extraordinary pools in the world is um, the Neptune Pool at Hearst Castle, you know, in Southern California. And, and of course, William Randolph Hearst was a little bit of, uh, had a vision. Let's say had a grandly Baroque vision for, for building things. And this pool is just, I mean, it's like this Baroque, like there's pillars there. It's just gigantic and gorgeous. You guys have to look up pictures of this thing. It is one of those pools that is a fantasy. You know, one day I would love to swim in it, but it is very rarely open to the public. And in fact, almost there's no access to it other than by occasional, I think, you can enter a contest and, and bid on being able to swim in it. And I, you know, I can't do that, but, uh, but I think that that I, I can dream when I look at the pictures because it is really something. What do you think about when you're swimming? I think a lot, about a lot of things. Um, I think, you know, this morning I went out into the bay and I thought how beautiful it is, you know, in this time of unrest and, and just um, turmoil that, um, that I can have a moment to reflect and to kind of immerse myself in water and just think about things, think about, you know, who I want to be in this world and what I want to, what my kids to inherit. And you know what it is? It's a timeout in a good way. I think from our normal sort of, you know, pedal to the metal world, which rushing around, we're always very busy in this modern day. And I think, you know, in these pandemic times, a lot of us have had opportunities to take those pauses more than we have been accustomed to. But I think the water is one of those enforced isolation things that, you know, you can't really talk to someone or something. You have to, there's nothing really to listen to except your own thoughts. And I think that's a really valuable time to have and, and a privilege to have that right now. Bonnie Soy, author of Why We Swim, joined us beyond the mic. Bonnie, why do you swim? I think for all of the, the all of the ways that different ways I answer the question in the book, right? So survival, well-being, community, competition, and flow. I, I swim for all of those reasons. And, you know, even though the book is organized in all of these different thematic sections, I swim for all of those reasons. And they all overlap and braid together in a way that reminds me that, you know, I need all of these, I need all of these things from the water. And studying this, this question over the last several years and spending time with people and learning about our bodies and our minds and sort of how we respond to water. I have come to understand that I do it for all of these reasons. And I do it most of all because after I swim, I am a better person. You talk about the health benefits of swimming. Have you noticed your body changing since you started to swim or when you stopped swimming? I mean, I started to swim when I was a kid, so I can only say how I feel you know, afterwards, I think, and, and maybe just if I don't swim for a long period of time, how I feel. And I think it's that I, the quality of the water, uh, of being in the water is different from, you know, land-based exercise. I think that to be immersed in water is to have some, you know, we mentioned before that solo time with your with yourself, but it is a sport that also is gentler on your joints. It is something that buoys you, you know, it gives you a chance to have a full body workout without without so much of the impact that you would in other sports. And I think that that is something that 
my body thanks me for, and I think many people can swim into, um, you know, much later in their lives because it is a sport of longevity in that way. Why is water your safe haven from the chaos? Oh, absolutely. I mean, more than ever now, you know, so many reasons now that we all need to you know, take care of ourselves, take a break from the news, take a break from what everyone calls doom scrolling, because you can, you know, we're isolated and yet we're very connected through social media, you know, online. And so it's, you can be, you know, we're, we're apart, but we are also like selectively viewing things that um, can really hurt us and harm us. I think that it, to have a respite from that, where you are back in touch with what your own thoughts are. I think the water is one of those things that, is a way to reconnect with yourself. Now, Felix and Teddy enjoy the water as much as you do. How has sharing your love of swimming changed the way you see them? Um, I think one of the things that I love about sharing my love of the water with them is that they know me in a, in a very particular way and they know that about me. And so when I say that, I mean that we have grown up being in the pool, going to the beach, being in the ocean, and just delighting in that. And the fact that they have grown up seeing me go out for a surf, seeing me go out for a swim, joining me in those places, it's just how we know each other. And that they know that, you know, that's mama. <laughs> and so when my kids, sometimes they'll draw, you know, they'll draw me, and they'll draw me on a surfboard, or they'll draw me swimming in the ocean or something, and, and that's just how they... You know, especially after this book too, when the books arrived, they just said, Wiley Slim is here. Hooray. You know, they just, they just were so celebratory. And, uh, I think it's just, it means a lot to know that they understand that that is a big part of who I am. Time's running out, so it's time for the Rocky Nate. Eight random questions. Answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. There is no pressure. <laughs> Who's won more games of Griffin and Goblins between Felix and you? <laughs> Well, um, I won the first game, and now we're working on fine-tuning the game. I am the undisputed champion right now. Favorite sipping whiskey? Mm, I think I have to say Oban. One thing you discovered about yourself during quarantine? Um, that I have more patience than I think I do. Which stroke is your least favorite, and why? Oh, Ooh, that's a great question. You know, I don't like freestyle. But I have to swim freestyle because it is the default stroke for, for endurance. Um, but I love doing the I am because I love doing every single stroke. <laughs> What's your favorite meal to carbo load before big meat? Mm, favorite way to carbo load. I am a huge fan of potato chips. It's sort of my weakness. <laughs> What's the one lesson you took from Stephen King's book on writing? You know, he has this incredible ability to make um, a story come to life in a really cinematic way. And I, and I think about that book and how he talks about, you know, the book is about, it's called On Writing, but he talks about, you know, in the writing of this book, he's, he's recovering from this terrible car accident. And so it's a way to frame this moment in his life and some, you know, submerge in it uh, lessons on writing. And I think that sort of having a story, a greater narrative to teach lessons is really what every writer aspires to. Who's your favorite swim team? 
My favorite swim team. I mean, I have to say the Albany Armada because it is both my master's team and also the kids, my kids swim on that swim team as well. If you had to either stand up paddleboard or surf for the rest of your life, which would you choose? Definitely surfing. Really? <laughs> for the rest of my life? Yeah. Surfing versus stand up paddleboarding. I love surfing. And I get something out of it that I don't get from swimming. And it, it is a way to navigate the waves and kind of ride them and, and just, it's more. It's, it's more paddling on a surfboard is more akin to swimming, but it is more, you know, it's definitely more exciting. She loves surfing, carbo loads with potato chips, and doesn't remember her first race, but we're sure she won it. Author of Why We Swim, Bonnie Soy, thank you so much for, for talking with us today. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And that, my friends, is Beyond the Mic.